you are Locked On Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hail you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And today's episode of Locked on Mizzou is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. And on today's program, well, you've probably heard a decent amount of talk around college basketball about what to do with the postseason conference tournaments this season. Should they allow teams to opt out of these tournaments if they would like? What does that do to automatic bidding? All of that good stuff. Well, I want to weigh in on that particular topic. Plus, you know, the other day I was just thinking, wouldn't it be wild if for all the crap that Blaine Gabbert has taken as an NFL quarterback, what if somehow Tom Brady, who is obviously a very durable player except for one year of his career, well, what if he got hurt and Blaine Gabbert had to come in, win the football game on Sunday, win the Super Bowl, Let's say he did that. Let's say he pulled that off. Well, how would I feel about that as a hardcore Missouri fan? Well, you know what? I want to explore that rather wild hypothetical scenario at the end of the show. But you know what? We've got to start with college basketball because, well, there's a few things to note here. First of all, Missouri is scheduled to play Kentucky tomorrow evening as of this recording. But here in a few hours, we should know for sure whether the Wildcats will be able to field enough guys for a game tomorrow obviously if you didn't hear this news their previous game on Saturday was postponed and or canceled so obviously that put the Missouri game in somewhat of doubt so hopefully we'll hear about this we'll hear about the officially the news of of whether Kentucky Missouri will be playing tomorrow or not pretty darn soon here now it just came out after a mixed week for the Missouri basketball team after They frankly blew the Auburn game a little bit, in my humble opinion, on the road. Don't get me wrong, I'll give Auburn plenty of credit there, especially Sharif Cooper, but to me that was a game that Missouri let get away from them. But fortunately, they were able to pull out a game that would have been a pretty bad loss for the Tigers, at least on paper, had they have succumbed to the Horned Frogs on Saturday. So I guess it shouldn't be the biggest surprise in the world that Missouri dropped from number 12 to number 18 in the new Associated Press poll, which just came out about 20 or 30 minutes ago. But perhaps even more harshly, just based on that TCU victory alone, Missouri dropped about four spots in the Ken Palm rankings, and more importantly, in the net rankings, which is something the NCAA committee Actually, looks looks at pretty strongly the Tigers still checking in in the, I believe they're 30th. I could, correct me if I'm wrong there, but they're definitely in the 30 range, despite the fact that, well, they've got as many quad one victories as any team in the entire country. Now, for you longtime listeners, you've heard my opinions and my rants, frankly, just trying to give better context to what all of these advanced statistics are trying to do, especially the Ken Pomeroy rankings, quite honestly. I have a much better handle on what that guy's trying to accomplish 
versus the net rankings, which are frankly mostly a mystery to me still at this point. So don't ask me to necessarily explain that. But if you're a new listener to this program, first of all, hey, thanks for joining me. But second of all, just long story short, my opinion on stats, all the advanced stats, especially Ken Palm, is that they do have value, but they really need to be contextualized. And to me, this TCU game was an example of losing the context a little bit here. Because sure, on paper, it's probably fair for a team that your projections Missouri had as a winning this game by 10 or 11 points. Hey, they had to squeak the game out at the very end. A furious comeback in regulation, plus they had to win it in overtime. Well, on paper, that does make sense to drop Missouri down a peg. But the problem is, is on paper, in reality, I should say, that TCU team was not the same team that it had been on paper for most of the season. That was a team that was hitting shot after shot after shot, shot nearly 60% from the field, including you know wild bank shots, running bank shots from like 20 feet by Chuck O'Bannon, all that kind of stuff. So to me, I, you know, night to night, you're going to see different versions of the same team. And certainly Missouri saw the absolute best version of the Horned Frogs that they can put on the court, especially on the offensive end. So again, while statistically that game may make you think less of Missouri, in my opinion, it actually makes me think more of Missouri. Now, if you're going to come back at me and say, well, gee, if you're going to try to be down 10 points with two and a half minutes left, that's not very sustainable. You're going to lose most of those games more often than not. Granted, I completely hear that, but the reality is, is Missouri did come back and win. And yes, in the big picture, over the long haul, close games are very random, and their results can be very random. But the reality is, is this kind of result, especially in a, in a ball club, a veteran ball club that's been together for a long time like the, like the Missouri Tigers, I really think this kind of victory can instill a tremendous amount of belief in that locker room. And you can't quantify that kind of stuff. Faith is a very, very important thing to have, really just in human life, just some sort of faith that the next day is going to be, if not better, at least okay, at least some faith that what we're doing in this locker room is actually going to be successful in the future. Well, again, faith is all about having confidence in something that hasn't happened yet. And those type of results, that ability this team has shown to be resilient, be tough, come through in the clutch. You know, I'm sorry, we just didn't want to go 0-2 after that week. And getting that victory, I think, is a lot more important than what it's going to show on a spreadsheet. That's my long story short on that rant. And you know what? Just quickly, let's talk about the Super Bowl. For just a quick minute here, thanks to my friends at betonline.ag. Because, well, many of you... You're probably like me. There's a good chance you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan if you're listening to this show. But don't worry. Maybe you're a Ram, a wayward Rams fan. Maybe you're a Chicago Bears fan. Heck, my neighbor's a Green Bay Packers guy. Whatever it might be, the good news is over at betonline.ag, even if your team didn't make the Super Bowl, well, there's plenty of ways to get in on the action. Guess what? It is. There are prop bets 
just coming out of the side of their ears at betonline.ag. So figure out what your edge is. Sign up for a free account at betonline.ag and be sure to use the promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's Locked On, your promo code for a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Be sure to check out our brand new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. We're really, really excited about this one, folks. I think this kind of come brings together everything that makes the Locked On Network special. I really do. So be sure and check out Locked On today. And by the way, I, as I was doing my scouting of the TCU Horn Frogs leading into last Saturday's thrilling victory and frankly just ball game in general between the Tigers and the Horn Frogs, you know, I couldn't help but notice that uh, TCU was playing Kansas in Lawrence that previous game. Of course, that was the game I broke broke down. But more to the point, why is it that Kansas can play Tennessee in Knoxville on Saturday while Missouri playing another team from the Big 12 in Columbia, but yet somehow Kansas couldn't see a way to make that Missouri game in Kansas City happen this season? Gee, it couldn't be because Kansas's recruiting has been down the last couple years because of all their... FBI problems and what have you. No, it couldn't be that. It couldn't be that Missouri has a really experienced team this season. God, Bill Self, is he the worst or what? What just a what just a wretched human being. But you know what? There there went all my objectivity out the window for today. But but you know what? Speaking of coaching, and speaking of again the Missouri TCU game, I got to thank Jamie Dixon for his coaching offensively in the last two, three minutes of that basketball game. You know, he's a defensive-minded guy, not totally unlike Conzo Martin in some ways. And it seems like a lot of coaches do this, but especially the defensive-minded ones tend to like to dribble the ball out for the last two, three minutes of a basketball game with a 10-point lead. And don't get me wrong, I understand the logic but to me, if it was a 50, I don't know, let's say it was 59 to 50 or something, then I could have understood Jamie Dixon's strategy there. But on a day where, again, TCU was unconscious, they were shooting 60% from the field, why not just continue to run your basic offense? Now, don't get me wrong, tell your guys, please don't take quick three-pointers early in the shot clock for no reason. But the idea that, they were just going to dribble the air out of the ball. Well, it ended up biting them in the ass. And I, I've just seen that all too many times in basketball. It's one of the most frustrating things to watch is when your team just tries to sit on a lead that they've managed to build by running good offense. And then suddenly it's, all right, let's just go one-on-one for the last six seconds of this possession. I, I just can't stand that stuff, to be honest with you. Now, one smart bit of strategy that I did notice the, when just before Missouri's last possession in regulation, and now don't get me wrong, I don't want to give Jamie Dixon too much credit here, but that line fit my transition oh so nicely. But seriously, 
it's become rather common practice that when a team, especially if they're winning the ball game, they're about to go on defense, try to defend a last-second shot attempt, well, they're going to have a substitute ready to check in after a made free throw. If they make that second free throw, well, that stops the game. The substitution stops the game and allows slows the game down for the offense and allows the defense to then set themselves more effectively. Now, obviously, that's a smart move and really an obvious move to make if you're a college basketball coach, but to me, I've always just hated that rule. And I'm not just saying this because as a Missouri fan, it would have been nice to have to just been able to take the ball out and get it out of the basket more quickly. Now, obviously, Missouri ends up tying the ball game regardless, but just to me as a basketball fan, just I'd really like to see less stoppages of the game, especially unnecessary ones for substitutions like that, and especially on this rule in particular. Now, honestly, I'd be okay with going full international rules on it. Now, in international basketball, you ever watch the Olympics? Well, the only way you can substitute is either a timeout or between quarters. You can't just substitute on every single dead ball. Well, you notice that actually allows the game to flow quite a bit better than certainly college basketball does and the NBA as well. But even if you don't want to go quite that far on some rule change, I think at the very least, college basketball should get rid of this, oh, you can sub after a made free throw rule. To me, that is just an that's, it's obnoxious. There's no reason to slow the game down any more than it already is. And if you think about it, well, on a live ball, on a made basket, well, that doesn't stop the game either. So why should a made free throw stop the game for a substitution potentially if a made field goal doesn't? I've just never quite understood the logic of that particular rule. But one thing that does have plenty of logic around it is our presenting sponsor, and that is Built Bar. Because here's the deal. If you're going to indulge in a delicious treat, well, you want it to be as guilt-free as possible. And that's the good news, in my humble opinion, with Built Bar. Because all of these bars, regardless of which of their 12 original or 6 new flavors you choose, are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and yes, a great option for a little bit of a cheat treat on that keto diet. So go to buildbar.com and use the promo code locked on and you will get 20% off your next order. Again, that's promo code locked on for 20% off at buildbar.com. And assuming Missouri and Kentucky play tomorrow, be sure to check out my recap of that ball game as soon as I can get it up after the final whistle of that particular ball game and hopefully that game does happen because this is the only time we're getting Kentucky on the schedule this year and well it'd be nice to maybe pick off a somewhat relatively easy victory against the Wildcats certainly Kentucky is a solid defensive team once again as they almost always are under Calipari but wow you think we struggle to shoot I think the Wildcats are even worse their offense has been Really, really lacking so far this year. But, you know, I suppose there's a chance Missouri and Kentucky could wind up playing in the SEC tournament. But frankly, 
the better Missouri does as this season goes along, maybe the least likely it is that they'll play in said SEC tournament. Because really, if you think about it, what is their motivation to play in that tournament? If they're if they're locked in to say maybe a four top four top five seed in the NCAA tournament, you know, again hypothetically speaking here, well, the last thing they probably want to do is go down to Nashville with a bunch of other squads and you know potentially increase their risk of getting guys to test positive for COVID nineteen. Quite honestly, now apparently we should hear this week officially if teams will be allowed to opt out of these conference tournaments or not. So maybe maybe at a certain point in a few days, this whole discussion will be moot. But I still think long-term, like so many things in this past year, I think COVID-19 has really sped up certain trends that were already underway. For instance, working remotely, obviously. Well, also, frankly, the decrease in the importance in the college football bowl season was obviously sped up this year. Not only did you see games canceled, you saw more guys opt out than ever before, which has obviously been a trend that's been happening for a few seasons now. But you know what? Another trend that is obviously going to be, has the potential to certainly be sped up here, is now postseason basketball tournaments. These conference tournaments, whether it's Big 12, SEC, ACC, you know, they're just not as important as they used to be. They just don't have the same cachet, quite frankly, from when I was a kid back in the late 80s, early 90s, even even when I was in college 15, 20 years ago. It just doesn't feel like these tournaments have nearly the same importance as they did. And if indeed we do see higher-ranked, seeded teams in the NCAA tournament some of the best teams in their respective conferences, we see them opt out of those tournaments, well, that's only going to increase that trend. And I don't know how we put the put the shampoo back in the bottle or whatever, the, the toothpaste, that's it. <laughs> shampoo could work too. I'm sure, that, I'm sure it's difficult to put shampoo back in the bottle, right? So we'll, we'll stick with that analogy. But seriously, as much as I love the idea of conference tournaments in theory – I think maybe there's an idea from the past that we can possibly bring these things back to prominence. And that's this. Well, back in the day, for a while, not only did you have postseason conference tournaments, you had preseason conference tournaments as well. Now hear me out. Just hear me out for a little bit. I know this is a fairly radical idea that some of you are just going to immediately dismiss out of hand. But at least just may, let me make it first. Instead of having postseason tournaments, do it in the preseason and then start the NCAA tournament a week early. Obviously, we don't want an entire weekend without college basketball. Just from a pure marketing perspective of the sport and just from a fan's perspective, I don't want there to be an entire week off between the end of the regular season and the and the startup of the NCAA tournament. But most importantly, if you think about it, again, college basketball, we all love March Madness, right? We all know that's a multi-billion dollar event and business at this point. But a lot of college basketball, the beginning of the season, not always the most exciting thing in the world. But I actually think if you kicked off your season 
with an SEC tournament, an ACC tournament, Big 12, Big East, all that good stuff, I think you would create a tremendous amount of excitement. And the way I would do that, if you're asking yourself, well, how would you seed something? Well, just simply take the standings from the previous season. Reward the teams that were good the previous season because guess what? If there aren't having, if there haven't been any games yet, how else are you supposed to do it? So if that means that the number one seed may be fairly weak because they had a bunch of seniors the previous season, so be it. I frankly can't think of a more fair way to do it than that. I'd be curious to hear what all of you think about this idea, frankly. So let me know. Hit me an email, lockedonmazoo at gmail.com, or hit me on social media everywhere at Locked on Mizzou. If you think I'm nuts, go ahead and tell me I'm nuts. I'm a big guy. I can take it. But frankly, one thing I think is nuts, and one thing I'm going to push back on pretty hard here in this segment, is somehow, why has Blaine Gabbert become a laughing stock in the NFL? It just seems like anytime there's a Anytime somebody brings up a quarterback who maybe doesn't quite live up to expectations, it seems like Blaine Gabbert has somehow become the ultimate punching bag, the ultimate punchline, if you will, in terms of a guy underachieving in the NFL. Well, first of all, as Missouri fans, we shouldn't let that color our notions of how good Blaine was as a college quarterback. Now, was he as good as Chase Daniel? No, he was not. And maybe that was his biggest fault, is frankly, that he had to follow Chase Daniel. But you know what? Blaine Gabbert was a really good player. He was part of that 2010 Missouri team, a really memorable team that beat Oklahoma, arguably the biggest win other than the Kansas game, Arrowhead 2007, of the Gary Pinkle era. So to me, while I think most Missouri fans... I still think they do think well of Blaine Gabbert. They probably have a much more negative view of his NFL career than they frankly should. How is this guy a bust when he's in the 10th year of his NFL career and he's made $21 million playing football? Now, if that's a bust, please make me a bust. My goodness. The guy's 31 years old and he's made $20. One million dollars playing football. Again, speaking of Chase Daniel, if Chase Daniel is this genius who's made tons of money by being a backup quarterback and not really taking a whole lot of hits, well, couldn't you say the same thing about Blaine Gabbert? Now, don't get me wrong, he took a bunch of hits his first three years in Jacksonville, but since 2014, not a lot of game action for old Blaine Gabbert. But he's still collecting multi-million dollars in earnings over the past few seasons. The reality is, is just at the quarterback position, if you look at guys who are taken in the first round, my gosh, I mean, as, as many people have pointed out, you're looking at a coin flip, really. Most of these guys, half these guys just end up being complete busts and not even really sticking around the league. Well, at least Blaine Gabbert has apparently been Effective enough, good enough, good enough of an arm, good enough in the quarterback room. He processes information well enough. He's been around that he's been at least employed by multiple NFL teams since the Jaguars gave up on him. Three seasons in San Francisco, one in Arizona, one in Tennessee, 
Now the last two in Tampa Bay, including being Tom Brady's backup. Listen, did Blaine Gabbert reach his upside potential? No, he did not. But let's stop acting like this guy is a bum. Please, I'm begging you. And with that in mind, one of my good friends asked me a great hypothetical question this past week. He said, well, what if Tom Brady got hurt and Blaine Gabbert actually went out there and won the Super Bowl? Now, I'm not saying he gets a ring as the backup quarterback and not take any snaps. What if he actually went out there and won the Super Bowl? How would that make me feel as a hardcore Mizzou fan and a hardcore Kansas City Chiefs fan? Well, quite honestly, I had to think about it for a while, and I really think I would, even though I would obviously be disappointed as a Chiefs fan, I would I would have to be really, really happy for Blaine Gabbard. Again, a guy who is, for whatever reason, has become the face of quarterback underachievement in pro football, quite unfairly, in my humble opinion, I would definitely feel great for him if he somehow had this incredible, unlikely moment, goes down in history as the guy, you know, one of the only quarterbacks to ever come off the bench and win a Super Bowl for his team. That would really be quite something. But I'll tell you, if it weren't for the previous season, if the Chiefs hadn't already, if they didn't already have a Super Bowl championship in their back pocket, well, if that same scenario happened and Blaine Gabbert came off the bench and stole another championship from me, Well, that would probably cause me to lose my mind, to be perfectly honest. So it's a good thing the Chiefs already have one in their back pocket. And if Blaine somehow gets out there on Sunday, I'll certainly be rooting for him. And so with all that being said, certainly if the Missouri-Kentucky game is a go, you'll have a preview episode for you tomorrow. And late after the Missouri-Kentucky game, you'll get a recap as well. So a good old two for Tuesday right here for you on Locked on Mizzou.